Community Cats podcast. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Community Cats podcast. I am your host, Stacey LeBaron. I've been involved helping homeless cats for over 20 years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. The goal of this podcast is to expose you to amazing people who are improving the lives of cats. I hope these interviews will help you learn how you can turn your passion for cats into action. Today, we're speaking with Danielle Bays from the Humane Society of the United States. Danielle is in charge of cat policy and very actively involved in planning the upcoming HSUS Expo. Uh, So I asked Danielle to join us today to talk a bit about that, as well as talk about some of the initiatives that are going on around the country and, and other projects involving community cats. So Danielle, welcome to the show. Thanks, Stacey. I'm glad to be here. So Danielle's been a frequent flyer. There are quite a few other shows that she has done with me. So feel free to go to communitycatspodcast.com, go into the search bar and just search Danielle or Bays, and you'll come up with a lot of the past shows that we have chatted with. So it's wonderful to have you back. But first and foremost, let's just dive right into uh, what's going on at HSUS Expo this year. We have a ton of great cat programming this year. We have our regular cats track that we've had for the last few years, but we also have cat workshops in other tracks and a wonderful day-long program focused about kittens. So it's really, really exciting to see everything we have there. So are you doing a whole, a whole day-long workshop like on kitten nurseries or... Is it on medical care? You know, what what are the sort of the specifics of that's a day long on kittens? That's a lot of stuff. It is. It is. And it has a great team of people who are all involved speakers in this. And it's going to cover a whole bunch of things. It's called hashtag all the cat kitten summit. (laughs) So it is quite ambitious in what it will actually cover. And there will be a huge number of speakers coming in and out through the day. Um, But it's been organized by the folks behind the Million Cat Challenge. And one of the things that they found after they hit the first million is, you know, areas where we needed to have some more focus. And Kitten was one of those areas. So they have gotten a whole team of people together who are going to talk your ear off about Kitten. That's great. And then, you know, you, you made an interesting comment. You said we have our normal, the cat tracks that we've done the last couple of years. And then also cats are interspersed amongst other tracks. Are you saying veterinary track or behavioral track? There's some cat stuff there. Exactly. Um, so things are more inter woven amongst the other tracks. So it's not like, oh, if you're just over in this corner, you're doing the cat stuff and that's the cat stuff. And then, you know, everything else is over here. So there's sound like there's more selection for folks to choose from. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the program cover sheltering in general are very broad about volunteers or fosters that kind of can be applied to cats or dogs. But there are definitely workshops that are very focused on cats because we know cat behavior and dog behavior are very different things and the way we approach them are different. So we have some great workshops in our behavior track focused on cats. Um, There's one about the cat positive program that the Jackson Galaxy Project has put forward. It's focused on clicker training for cats. And that I find is really exciting. It's been very dog focused in the past, but we're realizing that a good 
for cats as well. There's another one on developing a volunteer cat behavior program, both for your cats in the shelter and helping keep cats in their home. And I will mention Jackson Galaxy will actually be at Expo again this year, and he is doing a, a behavior presentation um, that's actually in our cat track, but also in the roundtable sessions that we had. For folks that were at Expo last year, we started this new thing, and they're roundtables because the tables are round, and it's easy for people to come around in small groups and have conversations. So there's a hundred different topics that go on, and you can join any of these tables with different experts. Some of them are speakers, some of them are the vendors, some are just other participants, some are HSUS staff. They're kind of hosting a topic of conversation to where you can kind of really get that um, networking and one-on-one and discuss whatever issue is of interest to you or whatever challenge you're having and get some feedback and see what other people might be doing on that. So there's tons of cat roundtables that are going to be offered as well. It's going to be also a great session in our vet medicine track, so shelter medicine track on FIV and FELV in your shelter. Um, Everything you need to know to get those cats adopted out just like every other cat you have in your shelter. That's fantastic. So it sounds like it's a a great lineup. Is there anything else that you want to share with our listeners to to be on the lookout for or anything on like trapping or? Yeah, um, we have a few sessions on trapping. There's going to be a session uh, focused on return to field um, and it's going to highlight a new publication that the HSUS is going to be putting out um, with our friends at Neighborhood Cats and Alley Cat Advocates on return to field as well as some data that's been collected on combining return to field programs with a regular TNR program. There's also another workshop that's going to dive into how you can deal with these large-scale cat colonies that you find. You know, every community you kind of run across this colony that you didn't know about that has, I don't know, 100 cats, and now what do you do? So there'll be a a great workshop on how to address that. And then we're going to have another session talking about cat counting, which is one of my favorite topics, and that's really about how to get good data, good estimates on cat populations, and be able to really show the impact of the work you're doing. And it's going to highlight two programs. Um, one was a project in Chicago called Cats in My Backyard, which was just uh, an individual who was doing TNR in her neighborhood and kept really good data, kind of shows um, the impact of the work she did. And also the DC Cat Count, which is a big project that the HSUS is involved with, along with PetSmart Charities, Humane Rescue Alliance, ASDCA, where we're really trying to figure out all of the cats in the District of Columbia using a whole bunch of different uh, measurements so we can get an estimate of the entire cat population, not just the ones outdoors, but the ones indoors, at homes and shelters, and develop some tools on how we can go about estimating populations of cats in in other communities um, to be able to better figure out what kind of interventions we need, how much TNR do we need to do, how much senior do we need to do, where do we need to put our resources, and to kind of give us a little bit more of a scientifically based guide on the work we do. So we talk about that at, at Expo as well. We also have a couple workshops that are focused more on sheltering adoption side of thing. And I'm excited about one that's looking at more of the profit-driven type examples, looking at cat cafes and pop-up adoption centers and some other new types of um, initiatives that are out there. 
it's really exciting. We had a, a pretty diverse group of workshops just focused on cats. So I think pretty much anyone who goes is going to find an awful lot to do and an awful lot of information to bring home. Yeah, it sounds fun and it's nice. So you're profiling some out-of-the-box programs or the new up-and-coming, the pop-up seem to be getting quite popular and it's good to see that they're getting some exposure there. And I would say, even though it's full of lots of resources, the DC Cat Count is going to be an interesting project to watch as it grows and gathers its data and sees what kind of conclusions are derived out of that. So it sounds like um, it'll be a lot of fun. And obviously, Jackson Galaxy makes it even more fun by being there. So that sounds great. Sounds like fun. Now, what are the dates of Expo and, and where is it being held this year? It is going to be in New Orleans, which I know is super exciting for me, especially. I think that's a, <laughs> that's a really good venue. Um, you know, last time we were in New Orleans, we had a huge crowd and we're expecting that again this year. Our goal is to get 3,000 people there. <laughs> and so it's in, it's April 15th to the 18th. And you can find all the information on how to register, workshop descriptions, and all of that kind of information on our animalsheltering.org website. Today's episode is sponsored by Space Kitty Express, your one-stop shop for exotic cat drugs. Everyone's heard of catnip, but what about valerian root, tatarian honeysuckle, or silver vine? Space Kitty Express specializes in offering these hard-to-find catnip alternatives, both in their herbal form and stuffed into a variety of reusable toys. Their herbs are 100% pure, not like those quote-unquote catnip blends you might find in a pet store. Their tartarian honeysuckle wood is cut fresh and kept frozen to lock in its citrusy scent. Their silver vine exudes a mintiness that tingles the nostrils. Their organic valerian root is so musky that they've had to blend it with organic lemongrass so that human noses can tolerate it. Cats can definitely tell the difference between these quality herbs and that stale catnip from the big box store. Visit SpaceKittyExpress.com and watch videos from satisfied feline customers. Use coupon code COMMUNITYCATS, all one word, at checkout to receive 10% off your purchase. That's SpaceKittyExpress.com with coupon code COMMUNITYCATS. Doesn't your cat deserve the best? Spoil them today at SpaceKittyExpress.com. Catalogical exists to help cat parents love their kitties better with the most in-depth cat food reviews online, plus hundreds of other fact-based articles. Catalogical is your one-stop shop when it comes to learning more about your cat. Catalogical works with multiple retail partners to provide custom coupons on everything from automatic litter boxes to microbiome testing, so you're also likely to save when you choose one of their recommended products. Uh, changing the topic, there's a little bit of action. I know it's early in the year, so there's not a ton of pressing issues, but there are definitely some issues going on sort of around the country in different states. We were talking earlier and you had mentioned there were a few declaw bills out there. I'm not sure if that was in New York or some other states, but there were some declaw initiatives that were out there floating around, I guess. Yes. As of right now, um, when we're recording this, West Virginia and Rhode Island have both um, reintroduced bills that they've had in the past. Um, New York and New Jersey has also had bills in the past, and we expect to see those bills reintroduced as well as anticipating something in Massachusetts. So these are becoming more and more common that we're seeing these bills introduced, but you know, you just mentioned pressing issues. And I think that the challenge with these declaw legislation is that legislators don't necessarily see it as pressing. There's not that kind of urgency like some of the other types of legislation that comes across. So the more that we see them introduced and the more we see this issue talked about and people are really learning what declawing means, because a lot of people don't really understand it involves amputating a bone in their cat's foot. So even if 
they're not getting a lot of traction just yet, just that kind of public education they do is really valuable. Is there something that we can do in order to make the subject of decline a greater pressing issue? One of the most effective things that anyone can do on any type of legislative topic is to contact their elected officials. A lot of times we will be quick to sign a petition online or send one of these automated action alert letters that a lot of groups like ours will send out to people. But really the best way is direct contact with your elected officials, whether you write them a letter with your own words, if you call up their office, whether it's in your state capital or when they're in their home district, find out where your home district is, call, talk to their staff, find a time where you can go meet with them and just talk about your concerns. That's what they're there for, to, to listen to their constituents. So the more that they hear about it, the more their constituents are asking for these kind of bills, it's going to raise that on their radar. So what's going on down in South Carolina? South Carolina has a bill that is very comprehensive looking at their animal statute, but it also includes some great stuff for community cats. It actually outlines the definition of community cats, the definition of ear tipping. It indicates that community cats are eligible for TNR, and it provides for shelters to be able to do return to field and get those stray, healthy, unidentified cats that are coming to their shelter neutered and ear tipped and back out to their community um, without an expensive stray hole. It's pretty exciting that we're seeing this kind of language being inserted in just general animal statutes in in areas that aren't known for being very active in DNR up until this point. So you say it's good and that's exciting. Sometimes I worry that they might do something maybe with good intentions, but the way the statute gets written or how it's interpreted kind of goes south a little bit. You know, we were talking about a situation in Rhode Island where there might be a situation where something gets written and it doesn't get implemented in the way that it should. It's not the first story that I've heard about that. I've heard that about various other communities. How do you handle that worry? Well, that's really true for any kind of legislation. Once you open something up and you're opening up a statute, putting some amendments in, it goes to committee any of those legislators have the ability to add amendments that may not be something that you were expecting or something that you want. So it's really about keeping on the issue, being aware of what's going on, um, and having that community support for the issue, having community members contact legislators, letting them know what their position is. But something that's not good, you know, the case in, in Rhode Island that we were talking about started out with a community concerned about their liability for doing a a TNR program. They wanted to make sure that it wasn't being considered abandonment. So their local legislator put in a bill for them. And along the way, the state vet wanted to put in some amendments that now would require anyone who's doing TNR to have on them written permission from the property owner that they can be there above and beyond any trespass ordinance that already exists in the state. So, you know, it's created these barriers that didn't exist was made last year was an amendment that was made to the bill. The bill didn't pass, but now when the bill is being reintroduced, it has that provision on there. So so it's a situation where folks in Rhode Island need to reach out to their legislators and know that this is not something that they support. Yeah, they have to be really careful. What's going on in Illinois? Illinois has an interesting bill that primarily deals with microchipping animals in the state, microchipping dogs and cats, and also some provisions about where some money from fines goes to make sure it goes back into those programs. But as part of that, they've included 
some definitions on the terms return and release to help provide some clarification. Often we talk about TNR. Some people will say trap, neuter, return. Some people will say trap, neuter, release. And often in our community, people think of those as terms as interchangeable. But in other areas, they're not. And they really do mean slightly different things. And it's kind of important here when we really think about the words we use in our language. And we want to focus on returning those cats to where they came from versus releasing them, which could mean releasing them anywhere else. And that may be what your effort is if you're releasing them into a relocation site, if you're releasing them to an animal shelter. But many folks, especially in like conservation world, who aren't necessarily supportive of returning cats to where we trap them, may indicate some sort of support for a trap, neuter, release effort because they don't want the cats to go back. And unless we're really aware of the words we use and how other people interpret them, we could get tripped up. So that's an interesting addition in their bill this year on microchips that very interested in following and see where that discussion goes. So over the past year, you've been all around the country, different states, different conferences, spoken to so many different groups. Do you feel the community cat temperature is any different this year than it was last year? I feel like it gets better every year. I regularly talk to folks who are working on really changing what is going on in their community, and they look back at just a year or two or three years before where the situation was so vastly different. And just the ability to start doing a return-to-field program with an animal control agency, those first few cats they do, it may be a small number overall. But when they do it and and the sky doesn't fall like their elected officials may think is going to happen, it just puts them in a gas lane of doing so much more. But, yeah, we've seen just so much progress so, so rapidly across the country, not just in some of the areas that we think of as being a little farther ahead with the cat issue. But we're just seeing such great work throughout the country in pockets in the South and just these ideas that we have about how we handle cats in shelters, how we treat cats outdoors are really gaining so much traction. And it's really exciting. I feel like I'll be able to retire at some point. (laughs) (laughs) No, you'll just, you'll take over the podcast. That's what you'll do. Um, Yeah, it's, uh, it it is exciting. And, um, and hopefully it also is positive and uplifting. I know that there are some pockets where people are concerned about the future of their shelters, but I think at the end of the day, when it comes to community cats, the cats that are out there on the street, we're providing a much better life for them now than we were five or 10 years ago. So we should be celebrating that. We should be happy about that and not be worried or apprehensive about the future. For us, it change is going to come no matter what. So we just have to embrace it and find a new path for our own programs as we go forward, which I think will be in community medicine or wellness medicine, as well as we're going to always have to offer affordable spay-neuter for cats and dogs, I think, throughout the country and throughout the world, because there are going to be people who have pets that they love dearly, but they're just not going to be able to afford the cost of that care. So I think that's that next generation. Yeah, access is so important in so many avenues, being able to get veterinary care, being able to find housing, making sure that those animals that have loving homes can stay there. Lastly, I know that you've been working in collaboration with some other organizations on a a new event called Meow DC. Do you want to share a little bit about that? 
Sure. That is an event that is being put on by the Humane Rescue Alliance, which is the animal shelter here in Washington, D.C., where I live. And it's an organization that grew out of a merger between the Washington Humane Society and the Washington Animal Rescue League. Before I came to the HSUS, I was working at the community cat program for the Washington Humane Society. So I have a lot of great ties there and still volunteer doing cat trapping and the like there. So they're putting on the first cat-centric event, kind of in the, the vein of the cat camp and cat con and these other great cat themed events that are happening across the country. This one is going to be a fundraiser for the shelter. And I think it's a really interesting model that hopefully other shelters will look at. If you can put on an event and bring in all the people who love cats, we see all this great stuff where you can get all sorts of artwork and clothing and everything with cats on it. Like you can get cats on shirts and bags and purses and jewelry. And there's just so much fun uh, stuff for us crazy cat people to, to wear and just play in our homes and to bring that together with other like-minded folks and hear from, from speakers and be able to see meet some adoptable cats. Um, I think it's going to be a really exciting event. And I see that this trend is growing, that, that people really want cat events. In the past, we've had all these dog events because you can easily bring your dog to it, but what's the event for the cat people because we're not necessarily wanting to bring our cats to an event. So this is one of those solutions, and I think it's going to be really exciting, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. That'll be happening in April on the 27th. So folks in the area can find that information by going to meowdc.org and get tickets. Busy, busy month for you in April, that's for sure. <laughs> it's always busy. <laughs> <laughs> so, if folks are interested in finding out more, well, you shared the uh, share the website again for Expo, or if they're folks interested in finding out more about how they can advocate for cat legislation in their states, how would they do that? Uh, you can find a lot of our information on AnimalSheltering.org. You can find information there on Animal Care Expo on our community cat work. If you have any further questions or want to get more information that you can't find there, feel free to reach out to me directly. You can always email me. Uh, my email address is my first initial and my last name at humanesociety.org. So that's dbays at humanesociety.org. And I'm happy to point you to the right person to talk to or get you some information, get you activated in however way I can. Excellent. Danielle, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners today? Just stay warm this, this winter. You're in D.C. I'm in Vermont. <laughs> Who's colder? <laughs> it's probably a balmy 30 degrees or 40 degrees in your neighborhood right now, and I was 10 below this morning. So. Oh, no, it's only like 20 degrees here. Oh, frigid. It is frigid. I can go outside without a coat on when it's 20 <laughs> outside. <laughs> but we'll, we'll have to get you up north. We'll get you really appreciating the real warmth that you have down there. But anyway, Danielle, I want to thank you so much for being a guest on the show. And I know and I hope we'll have you on again in the future. But I appreciate you uh, taking this time with us today. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Happy to come back. Thank you for listening to the Community Cats podcast. I would really appreciate it if you would go to iTunes, leave a review of the show. It will help spread the word to help more community cats. 